I think it's pretty fitting that we open this show with a guitar riff and a maniacal laugh. That just seems to work for me. Like every time I hear that, I think cigars now. Yeah. It didn't used to be that way, but this is what we've done. That's the power of suggestion. I have a, I have a Pavlovian response to it now. The power like I think, of suggestion. Mm, cigar. Um, I love it. Show number 32. Welcome to Smoking and Toasting. Is it 32? No, I'm sorry. It's 33. I didn't update my notes properly. It's show number 33, and we are so glad to have you uh, listening to the program formerly known as, what were we? I can't even remember our old Sip, name. smoke, and savor. That's we we are now smoking and toasting, and that's you know, what matters. I've decided I like it better. After resisting the whole thing of having to change our name for I, a while. I agree. I, I like agree. this better. So I, think I You know, we, we thought about a few different names. I, I submitted Cruising the Spankfish. That was yes, on the table for a while. It was, and it almost made it. But almost. then smoking and toasting smoking was and your toasting idea. actually was, lets people know a little bit more about what we do. Right. Although Spankfish might have gotten us some interesting follows on social right. media. Well, I was just I was just going for, hey, let's, let's you know, you you're like what is that let me click on this uh we are the program that is all about craft beer fine spirits and hand-rolled cigars and we i guess we're gonna have to start saying craft beer in parentheses because i was thinking about this this week our discussion on last week's show about when a craft beer company is purchased as so many great ones have been by one of the big brewers i don't it doesn't necessarily invalidate their beer. That's how I feel about it. I'm not going to stop trying the new things that you know New Belgium or Carbach or, or some of these other breweries that have been purchased put out because uh, their beer's too good. Yeah, first off, like New Belgium, for instance, their um, their uh, uh, 1554 yes. is brilliant. Yes, like I have that is delicious. I've heard it, but I've not had that. That's amazing beer. Making a note, and their right fat now. tire is just—I love fat tire. Fantastic! It's you know? really just a great sort of amber blonde. Right, we get it real uh, fresh off mm. a, off a keg. It's got that kind of biscuity kind of breadiness to it as well. Speaking it's so good. of New Belgium, we have a New Belgium beer that we're sampling on the show today, and oh. I had have not had this before. This is the New Belgium. Uh, Voodoo Ranger IPA. Now, I've never even heard of that one. I've had the Ranger, which right, is I've their the kind of normal IPA, which I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is the Voodoo Ranger, so we'll we'll be trying that today. We also have a uh, beer from Texas, as it is still uh, Texas Beer Month on the show. Uh, Carbach has a new offering. <coughs> it's the Carbach Lemon and Ginger Radler. And Radler is German for cyclist, so I don't that know what that means when it you know, sounds interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's beer to drink while you're you know on a bike. I don't know. And uh, then finally, and I'm so excited about this because I found this actually at Specs, and you and I have talked about it. I don't remember if we talked about it on the show, but I know we've talked about it um, off show that you have really enjoyed the beers from Bell's Brewery in Michigan. Bell's Brewery from Comstock, Michigan. I've got family up there. My parents were originally from there. So you've had a number of their beers. Yeah, and every time I've gone up there, and i got to tell you, their Oberon is just an amazing, amazing beer. We'll have to have that on the show at some point in time well, uh, I, in the near future. I didn't bring especially the Oberon. but Especially you, since it's now available here. Ha, yeah, have you But ever, you brought one I've never tried. Yeah, have you ever had their porter? No, I've yeah. never had their porter. It's, it's the Bell's Robust Porter. I'm excited about that. So this should be this should be fun. So uh, some great things to taste, and then I also brought in a rum. We haven't done a rum in a couple of weeks. Uh, this is the Ron Añejo Botran Solera 1893. I have no idea what any of that means, but it's a Grand Reserva, and we'll be sampling it on the show. Today. You're way ahead of me. You brought everything today, so I, did. I, I didn't even know what was happening when yeah. I got here. So so next week you get to surprise me. So right. <laughs> just so you guys know, you're just as surprised as I am. A uh, lot of interesting things uh, to talk about on the program today. <laughs> the spring beer forecast 
is out, the craft beer forecast for spring, what's supposed to be hot, what styles, and it's not about brand so much as it is about what styles are expected to be the big deal for spring. Yeah. So we'll talk about that. The um, <laughs> My wife sent me this story, and I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be so much fun to talk about. Um, beer from toilet water. <laughs> now, you th- here's the thing. Immediately, I'm like, heard, oh. Come on, I've heard of toilet wine, but, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Immediately, you think beer from toilet water. I would never try that. But guess what brewery's doing it? Oh, come on. Stone. Oh, of course. So <laughs> I I think I I mean I think I would try anything Stone puts out. So <laughs> that's a tough one. <laughs> I love Stone. One. I love right. almost everything they put out, but that's they're, uh, they're pushing me as a as a consumer now. They are, and you so, you have to love kudos that. to them. Yes, you have to love that about them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so looking forward to that. Plus, Vinecraft has named twenty five craft beers you must try, and we'll uh, you know we'll look at like five of those this week, and then and do the rest in subsequent weeks. But uh, but a lot of good a lot of good things uh, on the show today, and I hope we have time for this one because it's going to be a. Um, a very full show, and you know we continue to run out of time to sample the Mumford and Sons IPA, which we keep pushing uh, off. So I don't know if we'll get to that, but I want to get to this story. The Mexico Tourism Board has created a cloud that rains tequila. What? Uh, this is when you know some people wish they lived in olden times. You know, back in the uh, Renaissance era, or you know, in the era of, of kings and queens, or the Civil War, or whatever. No, not me. I want to live right now. And here's a perfect example because the Mexico <laughs> Tourism Board has come up with a cloud that rains tequila. Oh, that's amazing. What is not that's to amazing. like? Yeah. So uh, so it's an interesting story. I'll share that with you. It's not, I mean, they can't just float it over here, you know, over our houses and have it rain. But it's a. It's an interesting scientific experiment. Tequila and, rain. And marketing uh, uh, gimmick, I'm sure. But you know, what, what kind of effects is that going to have on the environment? I don't know. But, you know. Acid rain's not good, but I think tequila rain. Tequila could, rain can't be you, all bad. It's agave. What? what it's a natural. <laughs> right. It's a natural thing. What could be wrong, right? Oh man, drank some tequila when I was in Mexico a few weeks back. Oh too. yeah. Oh, oh, so good. So tequila. good. They know their tequila there, man. <laughs> they really do. They really do. You know, it took me a while to get to like tequila because you know, of course, as as a teenager. Or, no, I'm sorry. Did I say teenager? As a young, when you were 21, just barely and older, 21 year old. <laughs> And we had shots of tequila. It was always uh, not good tequila. And then they'd right. always follow it up with uh, what I call training wheels, which is the salt and the lime. Yes. And I never get that. The best tequila, although I do enjoy salt and lime on a margarita because it, it can enhance the margarita flavor. But the best tequila, you don't want the salt and the no, lime no. because you want to taste the richness taste of that. How uh, good the tequila, tequila is, that's right. Yeah, I've got a bottle of Skelly sitting on my uh, little... Uh, Day of the Dead table at home that is just it's it's getting empty. Wake. You know, fast. I almost bought a bottle. I, I tried calling you and then I uh, while I was standing in front because there's three different ones. I didn't know yes. which one it was. So that you want to we go? Tried. Well, it depends what depends which experience you want. The one I love is the añejo, which is gotcha. uh, the one that's so smooth that it doesn't almost doesn't even feel like you're. Yeah, drinking, I'm, I'm picking uh, some of that alcohol. Up that is that is good stuff. Uh, so it's been an interesting week for me. Did you smoke anything interesting this week? Ian? You know. I had uh, quite the adventure in smoking. Yeah, with one cigar. Really? Yeah, it was something completely different. This was a Muat KFC. Now let me uh, go ahead and tell you what that actually means. That's okay. the My Uzi weighs a ton. Oh yes, 
by Drew Estate, and I think yes. that's a Drew Estate Hoya de Nicaragua um, uh, collaboration. I believe it is. And uh, and that I've had a few of those, and they're quite good. They're on the big, big, bold side of mm-hmm. uh, cigars. You know, full flavored cigars. This was the Kentucky Fire Cured. Oh, now I've had a Kentucky. It wasn't a a, a muat, but I've had a Kentucky Fire Cured, and it took me some getting used to. I have to say. Well. I wrote some notes here, okay. and they get sloppier as it goes on, and you'll understand once I get to the... <laughs> you were drinking as well? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll have to take a picture of my notes because oh, you totally it, should. it really is kind of funny. You should post that on the Facebook page, <laughs> totally. Like, not only is my handwriting about the worst, but this is this is pretty funny. So, all right, so uh, Muat KFC, pre-light nose, smoky like a cooking fire, like oak and mesquite. It mm-hmm. smelled like my neighbor. Like, when I put the, no- the, the, uh, the, the cigar to my nose, it smelled like my neighbor just fired up the pit. Oh wow! You know, like I was like, "What is going on here?" The wrapper's very uh, leathery, very leathery, like reddish brown. It looks like something you make a shoe out of. It's real solid, real stable, and it was nice, toothy kind of leathery. I really enjoyed the feel of the wrapper. Um, the prelate draw was almost non-existent. I mean, it was very free. I just did. I used a punch, and it was just effortless draw. Drew Estate, man, it was, it was amazing. Drew Estate. Um, the uh, the flavor on the pre-light, pre-light draw was a lot of wood, like oaky mm-hmm. uh, mocha flavor, a lot of smoke, a lot of like co- like like campfire, yeah, campfire, those kind of things. A little bit of cocoa and a lot of pepper, like you can taste that pepper in this mm-hmm. cigar right off the bat. So then I lit this thing. And this is all before you've lit. This is I haven't even lit this thing yet, right? So then I lit this thing, and the initial light was incredibly peppery, mm-hmm. like it was. Almost harsh, and you don't, you're so not peppery. as big a fan of the peppery uh, cigar thing as I, I am. I don't mind a little kiss of pepper, but this was too much pepper for me on the initial light. But fortunately for me, well, so so the initial draw it was it, it literally tasted like pepper, uh, or like someone had fired up a, a bit of oak and mesquite, mm-hmm. and then doused it and dumped a bunch of black pepper on it. That's what it <laughs> tastes like. And it, in its own way, it was okay. Well, shortly after that, it smoothed out. Like the first third of this, the whole thing smoothed out substantially. Uh, lots of pepper, very oaky, smoky, may- smoky, maybe a little bit of peaty kind of flavors. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first third uh, uh, burn was perfect. The second third, more smoke, like more physical smoke. Like it was a bigger, silkier kind of smoke it mm-hmm. developed. Uh, more oak. It really. Oh, so at this point in time, I paused and I said, "I'm going to do my whiskey sniff." Oh, now this is a new term sniff. I come up with. We've talked yes. about this before, where I'm smoking a cigar and I decide, you know what, I got to figure out what whiskey this cigar is going to go with. So I get the flavor on my palate, and then I go in and I have a table full of whiskey and mm-hmm. I pull the tops off and I start smelling it and figure out which ones are going to be which ones going to match. Right. Yes. And so after uh, I went through all of those, I ended up with. What did I write down here? I ended up with the, uh, oh, the, <laughs> I ended up with the uh, uh, Balconies Blue oh. Corn yes. uh, Whiskey, which was fantastic. So I think we're about to hit a break right yeah. now. So, so I'm when we come back, wrap you, it up can... and I'll tell you about the last third of this cigar. All right. So we'll do that when we come back. And I want to. Uh, I want to get back to this thing you said about the whiskey sniff. The whiskey well. sniff. All right. So it's smoking a toastin. We'll be right back and uh, finish up with Ian's cigar experience.
smoking and toasting. We are uh, in our 33rd show, which, uh, if you remember, 33 was always on the bottles of... Um, that was Old Latrobe? Rolling Rock, yeah, yes. Rolling Rock. Back when Rolling Rock was really good. Old number 33. Old number 33 from the glass line tanks of Old Latrobe. Uh, I memorized that because I looked at a lot of those bottles. Yes. <laughs> Back when I was, oh, let's just say newly 21. and Newly uh, 21. And, and enjoying... Enjoying the fruits of old Latrobe. Uh, so welcome back to Smoking and Toasting. By the way, I want to mention, and uh, I want Ian to finish about his uh, cigar, but I wanted to mention that the new Facebook page is up. Yes. And it's facebook.com slash smoking in. The letter N. They won't let me use an ampersand, yeah. so it's so got to be smoking in toasting. No G's. Smoking and toasting. And no apostrophes. And no apostrophes. Yeah. So although we do use apostrophes in the actual show name, it doesn't make a lot of sense for I just it. use the apostrophe to abbreviate the word apostrophe. <laughs> It's a very long word. I don't know what that means, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> when I say abbreviate, I just actually mean abbrev dot. Yeah. So one of the things that happened, <laughs> by the way, yeah, a brief dot. Yes. Way to gloss over that. No, no, I like it. That was the I worst humor it. ever. Like, let's no, just I, move on. I thought it was good. That's why I wanted it to stand on its own and not, uh, <laughs> you know, not repeat it. Um, I will say though that you know we lost our what was it seven eight million followers when we had to cancel the old sip smoke and savor page, yes. and so now we have like three. Now so we, we three. really need you to. Uh, uh, if you're interested in the show at all, please yes, follow us on bit, Facebook, yes. Smoking in Toasted. Smoking in Toasted. Yeah. Uh, so you were telling me about this fire-cured cigar. This is a Kentucky Fire... KFC. Kentucky Fire Cured. Yeah, yes, okay. KFC. That's right. And I'm sure they did that on purpose. I'm sure, yes. Because that's funny. <laughs> um, so the Myuzi weighs a ton from Drew Estate. Yeah, so I was, I was two-thirds into this cigar when we got interrupted by our uh, engineer for our uh, little break there. Um, so this was very oaky, smoky, peaty a little bit maybe, mm-hmm. um, and and by the second third of this cigar, it actually had kind of a bigger smoke to it too. Not just smoke flavor, but the actual smoke was a little bigger and silkier. Um, so it was kind of an adventurous cigar. I did my whiskey sniff. That's we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But I ended up with the Balcones Blue Corn Whiskey, um, which went really well with it, and the cigar uh, really brought out the vanilla. Uh, the vanilla flavors in the whiskey. Like From the Balcones. Big time, mm-hmm. yes. yes. Cool. Still burned perfectly. I read up on this cigar a little bit, and people were saying the burns were uh, on this cigar were a little uneven and stuff. Mine was burning perfectly. So we get to the third third of this cigar, and I have no idea what's what's about to happen with it. And um, it started loading up big time. Like so what does that mean, loading peppery up? peppery flavors. Oh, gotcha. gotcha. The started flavors just, started getting stronger. Yeah, just getting more and more and more intense. And I actually had to put it out a little premature from where I generally would because it got so peppery and smoky that to me it got a little astringent in the flavor as well. Now, prior to getting to that point, how did you like the mesquite, you know, coals of a hot fire flavor, which is not something you normally get in a cigar? It was melded fun. with the other stuff. Did this, you like it? This would be a great cigar to take out if you're uh, if you're going to a barbecue because you're already you're already going to smell, gonna yeah, smell yeah, that way. Smell anyway. like that, right? <laughs> so I enjoyed it. Uh, it's about a six to six to eight dollar cigar, I think, mm-hmm. if you buy it at a shop. Um, it's worth it's it's a five. It's a solid five, but it's interesting too. So it's it's not like your regular just traditional cigar. It has right. a lot of things going on with it, and that smoky flavor is just a very interesting thing to me. You know, Drew Estate is so, always known for pushing the envelope, right? Know? And so I, I'll give it a five on the price to quality. 
Um, straight up, it's worth what you pay for it. It's a very interesting cigar, and you should definitely try one if you like a full-flavored cigar. Don't try it if you're into mild cigars. You will not like this cigar at all. And and no going in, I guess, that it's going to be really different. It's, it's, a very, it's an adventure. Yeah. It's, it is. Like it, it is the uh, Texas tornado of cigars. We could have called the show Ian Cigar Adventure. Yes, we that could have. have. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Now, uh, um, if you've uh, downloaded the show, or if you've seen it on uh, on SoundCloud, you already know that we've named the show the Whiskey Sniff. And I want to go back to that because you you were talking about you've talked about this a lot. This this thing that you do. After you light a cigar, smoke what an inch down or so. Yeah, yeah, I, I get it. I get a good flavor for the cigar, so I smoke mm-hmm. a, about an inch of a cigar, and then I have you know my collection of scotch and whiskeys, and I, once I have that cigar on my palate and you know firmly like I know that what that cigar tastes like, I go in there and I just start pulling the pop uh, pop the tops on my whiskeys and smell them, and w- the one that smells right. You know, it's a it's an inexact science. It's it? a very inexact science, but it's wonderful. And I never had a name for what I was doing. You do now. I was inspired yesterday. Yeah, this is my whiskey sniff. The whiskey sniff. So like we will it. have a whiskey sniff. And you know what? It doesn't matter if I end up with tequila or end up with gin or something like that. It will still be called a whiskey sniff as a general thing. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, but wouldn't it be fun to do a cigar event? Where we can have people come together, you know, get get some cigars that everyone would be able to sample. You know, you pay, I don't know, five bucks, ten bucks, and you get a couple of cigars, right? And then we've got a whole bunch of whiskeys out there, and they're all open. Nice. And people could do your whiskey smoke sniff. their cigar, go to the lineup of whiskeys, do a whiskey sniff, and then pour themselves the one that seems to meld best. That with it. sounds like that sounds like the kind of place I want to be. Actually, that sounds a lot like my house. Ian and Cruz's Smoking and Toasting Whiskey, <laughs> whiskey sniff. sniff. I like it. Yes, whiskey I love sniff that idea. 2017. All right, put it on your calendars. We're doing it. We're doing it. Well, I like that. So I like that we have a phrase for that. Now, phrases are important when you're doing a show like this because it gives you a way to refer back to that. I can say, so did you do the whiskey sniff? And yes. you'll, you know, we don't have to explain the whole thing every time. So that's good. Yes, and we have to come up with a good uh, catchphrase for our price versus quality scale as well. Yes. Oh, you're right. I, I, and I like price to quality, but maybe we need... PVQ. The P&Q? P&Q. Oh, PVQ. Like PVQ. PTQ. PVQ kind of we'll sounds like some piping. I gotta go to um, Home Depot to get the PVQ. Uh, I, it's interesting, and you know, we did not coordinate this, but the cigar that I smoked this week that I wanted to talk about was also a Drew Estate cigar. You know, we've actually done this quite a few times <laughs> know, on and, this show. And I don't think I've ever talked about a Drew Estate cigar yeah. on the show before. I love Drew Estate, by the way. They the, do great cigars. The acid line, I uh-huh. like. Some purists I know don't like that, but um, I think they're fantastic when you're in the mood for that. Yes. And occasionally I will yes. be. And the naturals um, as and well. And the naturals are fabulous. And then the Liga Provida uh, line, which is kind of their like more top shelf, I guess, yeah. uh, cigars that are, that are natural, are very good. And then Liga Provida has kind of a subset under it, which is Undercrown, which Love is those. a little less expensive than the Liga Providas. And I smoked an underground... Um, uh, un, I'm sorry, Undercrown, uh, Corona Viva, and uh, I did. I was just looking around on the uh, the internet because I thought, what is what is Undercrown's thing? Like, wh- what is it? Where did this particular line of cigars come from? From Drew Estate, it has a creation story apparently, and uh, according to Jonathan Drew and Steve Saka, Undercrown was born on the factory floor where the cigars were being rolled. The rollers who were responsible for the Liga Pravita line of cigars 
were told they could no longer smoke the Liga Providas while they were rolling because Drew Estate was having trouble meeting the cigar shop demand. So they were short on them. It's like, you can't smoke any more of those, smoke something else. So the rollers actually created their own blend using tobacco that was bought for Liga Provida but was not specifically being used in the brand. So it's some of the same tobacco, but you know, maybe like a slightly different year or whatever that, that was not actually being rolled into the Liga Bravita. So they started rolling those for themselves, and Jonathan Drew uh, tried them and thought they were really, really good. This is tobacco they've already purchased. So they were able to uh, put it on the market a little bit cheaper. That is and a the fantastic story. And crown line was born. I want to hang out with that Jonathan Drew guy. Oh, dude. He seems like yes. he's just y- a cool Yeah, character. he does. I, I read an article about him recently. And fearless. In, in Cigar Snob or something like that, and I was like, this is a dude I could hang out yeah. with. Like, I could totally hang <laughs> with him. Uh, the underground, under, Undercrown, I keep calling it Underground. The Undercrown was really good. It's a, a San Andreas Maduro wrapper, Nicaraguan binders and fillers. It's a beautiful, medium-bodied cigar, toasty, nutty flavor. A hint of coffee. Uh, some spice came on as it smoked uh, a little bit. Good draw and construction. No relight penalty overall. Uh, very good. I'm going to give it a six. I, I feel like I rate everything too high, so I'm trying to temper my. But it was a very good cigar. It's a $6 cigar and was every bit. If five is good, like this, you know, the yeah, five average. Is definitely worth the price. Then, then this is easily a six. Nice. It's a very good cigar. And I would, you know, based on the price, I would buy these. If this were a $12 cigar, uh, probably you'd rate like a five. But the fact that it's a little cheaper, yeah, I'll take it. Six. Nice. Uh, so you get a six. There you go. Uh, we've got just a couple of minutes left in the segment, and I wanted to get to our first uh, beer tasting. And you are holding the can. It's the Carbach Lemon and Ginger Rattler. Oh, that's a good sound. By the way, I was listening back to one of the old shows. I love, I love when we opened the thing. It just makes me when I hear that sound. It makes me if I'm listening. It just makes me want to go uh, open a beer <laughs> right? or, or a bottle or whatever. Um, I will say before we taste this, and I have not tried uh, this particular carbock. I'm not a big fan of ginger. It's not a taste that I'm you know usually crazy about. So I don't know if I'm going to like this or not. Uh, it'll be they're talking about it as a. You know, a very refreshing sort of spring beer, uh, and I believe this is a seasonal from Carbon. I like ginger uh, in food. I don't know. That I like ginger ale actually. I, so like I guess gi- I kind of like ginger. I do like ginger ale, and I don't mind gingerbread cookies. But uh, uh, this is what it says. Radler, by the way, is German for cyclists. Texan for damn refreshing. That's what it says in the can. Nice. Uh, it says whether riding a fixed gear, a skateboard, or a pogo stick, we're all adventure seekers, and we're all looking for the ultimate post-ride brewski. Uh, so that's where the cyclist. This smells like lemon and ginger. Yeah, Carbox uh, Radler is a blend of lemon, ginger, and golden beer that is sure to quench a Texas-sized thirst. So wherever your next journey takes you, make sure you add plenty of Carbox Radlers to the packing list. Now so, that's interesting. Now, have you taken the first sip? That was my second sip because the first sip was interesting and strange. Mm, mm-hmm. It's way sweeter than you would in, oh, even imagine. Oh, boy, it is. I just took that first sip. You're it's so right. sweet, almost like a ginger ale. That's kind of what it tastes like. Yeah, it really ale. tastes like a ginger ale with lemon. I will say that while I don't generally like ginger, I, I do like ginger ale, and this I like this in the same way. It's very ginger it ale It doesn't tasting. taste like beer, really. Mm-mm. Oddly You're enough, right. I mean, 
maybe a little beer flavor on the tail end. Or almost like one of those beer-based uh, cocktails or yeah, something like something that. Yeah, something like that. Hmm. All right. We're going to keep sipping this. We'll tell you a little bit more about our impressions on it when we come back in the next segment. And, of course, we will get to our next beer, which will be the New Belgium Voodoo Ranger IPA, which will taste a lot different from this one. So brace yourself. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting. My name is Cruz. My partner is Ian Barry. Uh, we are talking cigars and craft beer and fine spirits. And we just tasted the Lemon Ginger Radler, which is the new offering from Carbock. I didn't notice this until we hit the break, but on the can it says, Stay Vertical. <laughs> Good luck <laughs> which, with uh, that. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I don't know. This Lemon Ginger Radler doesn't come off like something that's going to put you... Or it does not. not. Uh, I, I I went into my uh, my own meditative state uh, during the break, yes. and I came up with a few ideas for this. First off, I bet that's a pretty good uh, uh, like chicken marinade. Ooh, like, and I'm not joking about this because I bet that would make a great chicken. Now, marinade. have you ever made like beer can chicken? Yes, I love beer can. Yes, chicken. it's fantastic. Although I usually use a really cheap beer, and that would that. probably work well for that too. It might, um, yeah. Uh, so my next thought on this, that's a, it's a little too sweet on the tail end for me to have that as an everyday drinker. Once in a while, it's kind of fun mm-hmm. uh, just to have something different. really does taste like ginger ale with some lemon in it. It's you know interesting. I bet that would go well with Asian food especially. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, you know, stuff that you generally put a lot of ginger in. Mm-hmm. So those were a few thoughts that I had on it. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not against it. I, it's, it's an interesting and kind of fun beer. Uh, but I don't know that I would, you know... Uh, it, it would definitely. Let me put it this way: it would. It wouldn't last as long in my refrigerator as the leading light beer. Well, there you go. That'll tell you right there. I, you know, I think it could be really refreshing on one of those, you know, Texas July afternoons when it's super hot and you've got a moment in the shade. I don't know if six of them would be refreshing because, like, I don't know about the sweetness. Like, this but is, one would be fantastic. This is almost has enough sweetness to where I wouldn't even mind putting a couple ice cubes in it. And I thought it sounds pretty bizarre, no, but it might correct. be worth a try. You're correct. Well, <laughs> I, I I like it. I think it's really good. So uh, this is obviously a seasonal, a spring beer from our friends at Carbock. Um, and the craft beer forecast for spring, I thought was pretty interesting. The headline basically is- Are you using the Doppler 3000 on this? Yes, I am. Okay, good. Because I am a uh, beer meteorologist. Yeah, well, you did and, say forecast. Yeah. Well, the, see, the thing about, about meteorologists is- you know, back in the old days when I was a kid and stuff watching the weather, none of the weathermen were meteorologists. Today, they all make a big deal about how they're meteorologists. But I think the ones when I was a kid got the weather forecast right more than these guys. Do I also like the sometimes commercials for the meteorologists with the tough guy image. Yes. It's dun, funny. Dun, dun, dun. You're like, dude, you know you got your ass kicked in school. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you know that happened, right? Uh, We're so in trouble for that. Take it from someone who got their ass kicked in school. I know what that looks like. Okay? I know what that looks like. So you're, uh, I am a beer meteorologist. Your craft beer forecast for spring. Look for juicy beers, lighter beers, and sour blends. Sour beers have uh, been around for a while, but they're really beginning to take off, and they are supposed to be one of the hot. I'm a big uh, fan of sour beers. beers. I, we, I like some sour beers more than I like others, though. Last year we had uh, we had uh, uh, Mark in from Goliad with the yes. watermelon gozo, which had oh, a little sour. Good. It was that quite was good. So good. And I thought when he opened it, I thought watermelon. Oh. 
I like watermelon, but I don't know if I'm going to like a watermelon beer. It was, it was a watermelon sour. It, it was, was so good, yes. so refreshing. It reminded me of those watermelon sour candies I used you to know? And I'm also still sad that Boiler Room from uh, 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 St. Arnold is no longer available. Well, and as Joey from Specs right. told us a couple of shows ago, it's coming back, but it's going to have like uh, some berry flavoring to it. And I haven't seen it yet. Uh, and I immediately said, oh, no, they're going to ruin it. And he goes, no, no, they haven't. And, and I trust Joey. I mean, he's really got his beer stuff. And he's together. got a pretty good idea of what good liquid tastes like. So looking forward to that. Uh, so sours are going to be uh, big. Now, are you familiar with Grisette? G-R-I-S-E-T-T-E. I don't know what that is. As a, a, a type of beer. Apparently, it falls into the Saison range. Okay. Uh, lighter beers that were more like the Belgian, you know, uh, sort of influence. Uh, and the Belgian farmers uh, brewed these in winter, and they were designed to be shared with the workers and stuff in the fields uh, once the spring came. So they would okay. age a little bit, and then they would uh, be drunk during the spring and summer days. The German so, word for storing beer, by the way, is lager. Lager, just like uh, we're loggerheads over this, uh, over these grisettes. Anyway, um, beer, uh, the grisette beer, uh, you can consider it a cousin, I guess, of saisons. Uh, but it was initially made for miners and industrial workers. Look so for those to pop up. The question in your is, favorite is it, store. Is spring. it that different from a farmhouse ale then? Well, I don't know. See, because I kind of thought that's what what a farmhouse ale is a little bit. I have to research this. Apparently, it's um, uh, well. There's a brewer called Third Space that has named their latest farmhouse ale Madame Grisette. Okay, so, so there's a crossover it's, it's close. in there There's some I'm crossover, sure. yeah. So. Also big for spring and summer, Mexican lager. And I will tell you that uh, in my recent visit to Mexico, uh, not a lot of craft beer available in the nope. area where I was, but boy did I enjoy rediscovering Tecate. Uh, see, and a that's good not tecate one of my on favorites. a cold days. Are you? Do you like the Coronas? Not really. All right, so Mexican beer. So when I was in Mexico, Medello? Uh, Negro Medello, I think is nice, but yeah. you can't get that everywhere in Mexico either. Yes, uh, Dosa Keys is probably the closest thing I can find to a drinkable see, I all would day take, long beer. I would take a Tecate over a Dos Equis, believe it or not. Uh, see, and actually, I find Tecate to be like once it gets a little bit warm. Oh, you want it cold? Yes, you want it cold. And no, you want Dos Equis cold? Don't get me wrong, but it's more tolerable when it's yes. warm to yes. me. And if you're holding on to a beer and you're in a you know midsummer sun in Mexico, I will say that uh, during my trip to Mexico, I became really enamored of something I've never really used that much before, which is the koozie for your beer. Yes, gotta have it because it definitely keeps. Dude, you do you have one of those Yeti koozers? Those those things are, are the amazing. best. They're the best. My wife got me one. Yes, for Christmas. They're, they're amazing. The best. I did not take it with me on my trip. They're I actually a little time. disorienting because, like, when you're drinking your beer, first off, the weight is off. Yes, and it so feels like never you still know. have beer, yeah. and then you go, oh, and then damn the it, I'm very out. last sip is ice cold. Like, wonderful. what is going on there? Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, the last category that's expected to uh, surge in spring is juicy IPAs. Uh, and juicy being both the citrusy things yeah, yeah. and uh, places that have other fruity kind of fruity kind of things those, added yeah. to them. Yeah. So those are supposed to be the, the big craft beer trends. Your forecast for spring from the craft Doppler-ish thing that we have. The craft, <laughs> the craft Doppler 3000. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so now, uh, not something that fits any of those trends at all, but it is, I believe, a fairly new release. At least I was seeing it for the first time. Uh, let's sample the uh, IPA from New Belgium, the Voodoo Ranger IPA. Now I'm familiar I, with the Ranger IPA because every once in a while, like even to this day, every once in a while I get their, uh, they have their variety pack. Yes, the New Belgium variety pack. 
It'll have a oh nice. It'll have a fat tire in it and uh, uh, the Ranger and Ranger, several of their the other fifteen fifty four. They also have they have a few other ones. They have they their have uh, their like, summer ale. ale. Uh, I'm trying to remember what it's called, but it's it's a good one. Their Blue Paddle. Blue Paddle. Yes, yes Blue I've had Paddle's that. A good they one. have a really interesting array of beers in their uh, in their whole uh, lineup. I don't know actually that I can think of. You know, the only one I don't really like as much is the one with the coriander in it. Uh, and yeah, it's just because it's a lot of coriander for it's me. It's an acquired taste. I'm not a coriander right. guy, so I, I wouldn't uh, be as likely to even buy that one. But uh, Right, and it, sometimes it's come in a pack, and it's it's nice. It's it's not, you know, I'm not going to drink that at all. But Well, here know. we go, sampling the uh, Voodoo Ranger IPA, Voodoo Ranger uh, which IPA. one of the things I love about it is, you know, I love all, like, sort of Day of the Dead th- stuff. This isn't really Day of the Dead, but it does have a skeleton with a ranger cap and some... Uh, Goggles on and what looks like an aviator cap, and then a, a Mexican what shawl. What is going on? It's quite there? A, it's quite an image actually, combining a lot of different uh, this, things. This is bonds. like having a mango mm. in an IPA. I love the way this smells. Um, mm. With a lot of malt backing up that mango flavor. I got to tell you, that's delicious. It's good. I, I was like not what I expected at all when I took the first now, sip. I was expecting this to be. A little hoppier, like a little more hop forward. Mango. But. It's mango forward. Mango and malt forward. They also have apparently a Voodoo Ranger Imperial IPA, which I'm betting is hoppier. But this is got it's it's so forward on the tropical fruit mm-hmm. flavor right up you, front. You get a little bit of the malt and hops on the back, but it's all mango. At it's first. it's like to me it tastes like right up right up front, it's all like tropical fruit, mango, and malt. So and gonna, then a little kiss of right in the middle, a little kiss of the hops, and then it just finishes with, with malt and malt. hops. I'm going to correct myself because I originally said this is not that probably not that spring oriented a beer. It kind of is because yep, of the the mango on the front. So and, this might fall into that juicy IPAs category. And that we were talking uh, about. price versus drunkenness, it's a seven percent. <laughs> <laughs> that that, uh, that so is true. You're definitely getting your bang for your buck there. Yeah, I didn't realize that at first. Yeah, on a right, summer on a summery ABV. kind of beer, that's mm-hmm. uh, that's pretty big. Seven percent by volume. It says on the bottle, bursting with tropical. And by the way, thank you, New Belgium. Can I just say this? And I may be in the minority here. Thank you, New Belgium, for still putting your beer in frickin' bottles. I'm so over the can thing. I can't even tell you. You know what? Uh, cans, I love lots of great beer that comes in cans. Cans, maybe. But have you had the can where the whole top comes off? Why don't yes. they just make them all like that? Because that. that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That is awesome. But I really like my beer cold, and the beer stays colder in the bottles. Yeah. And I, I, it also takes up less room in the refrigerator because they're tall. I realize maybe I'm splitting hairs here. I like beer in bottles. I really do. And almost all of my like go-to beers are starting to migrate to cans i know it's cheaper i get that well you also get the added benefit of no sunlight right with the like can. that is one thing there is no sunlight uh uh at all that can go in into a can so you can't uh Ian, skunk it that way this is a good beer i agree i will actually I probably go buy really, some of this really like this new belgium's voodoo ranger ipa and what's really good is as you drink it you can study this skeleton on the front and try to figure out what the hell is going on. We've had like, some pretty good ones recently. You know, last week I left here and I went and bought that Bloodwork Orange immediately afterwards and drank that? that this yes. week. Yes. Uh, loving that. Loving that. I had a few of those in the fridge as well. That's good. So, yeah, I, I would say anytime we do a show, somebody listens to it and winds up going and buying that beer. 
and enjoying it. Uh, it's like our work is done. Yes. You know, that's that's how I feel about it. We just really like sharing stuff we like. That's ultimately what the show is yeah. about. And a chance to drink and smoke. All right. When we return, it's rum time. We're going to sample the Ron Añejo Botran Solera 1893 Grand Reserva. That's a lot to say. Let's see if it lives up to the title. Really, it's oddly good. Uh, welcome back to Smoking and Toasting, show number 33. That's yeah. right. I'm trying to work on my uh, very white voice at the that's beginning. That's good. Of this I, I like how that sounded. It's <laughs> yeah. like way down low. Way and you have to low. say yeah a lot. Yeah. Uh, I love that band of suffers. By the way, I think we say that every single time, well, but it still doesn't so get old. Damn good, yeah. It doesn't get old. So you started talking earlier about a um, about a uh, an article you read about toilet beer. Oh yes, is wastewater. I've heard of I've heard of toilet wine. Yes. Okay. I mean, we've all heard of that. I think right, right in the prison systems and those kind of things. Just tell me about toilet beer. Well, my wife sent me this article, and I was like, oh, I love this. We've got to talk about this. Stone Brewery, Stone Brewing Company has made pale ale out of toilet water. <laughs> okay, so here they go. They're breaking new ground by becoming the first to try making beer using, using water that, and I'm reading this from the article, comes from the toilet. On Thursday of last week I mean, at this- My dog loves this water. Yeah. Will my dog love this beer? I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> yeah, you know how to improve your dog's breath, right? It's poor Lavoris in the toilet. Uh, that's the way to. That's the way to do it. Uh, Thursday of last week, Stone Brewing's location at Liberty Station in San Diego was host to a very special event, and the mayor of San Diego was there, Kevin Falconer, who apparently enjoys a pale ale just as much as the next person, uh, and he was among the first to drink full circle pale ale. Great name. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, they did. Right, right. Uh, Stone Brewing Senior Manager of Brewing and Innovation, and boy, are they innovative. Steve Gonzalez created this beer that uses recycled water, and he says it's ended up being one of his favorites. No kidding. He was skeptical, he says at first, to brew it with recycled water from the Pure Water San Diego program. Now, it's not like he went to the toilet and got the water. You know what I'm saying? This is, this is water that has been recycled at the San Diego Pure Water program. Now, he says, and this is the brewer, Steve Gonzalez. He says, among the pale ales I've made, it's probably in the top three. Wow. Yeah. Now, I don't know if he's only made three pale ales, uh, but <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but still, from a, from a company like, here's the thing. I'm, I was so glad when I read this to find out that it was Stone. Because can you think of another brewing company that particularly in the like IPA and, and uh, pale ale categories has more respect and more cred yeah. than Stone. If this were, you know, a brewery that we'd barely heard of, I would be much more skeptical, but it's like I've I've had Stone beers that I like more than others. I've never had one that wasn't delicious. That's right. You That's know? Right. They've always always delivered. Um, Gonzalez says those who drink the beer will get some caramel notes, some tropical fruit notes. I'm sorry. <laughs> Okay, we're going to have to take a little pause there. Uh, some <laughs> caramel notes, some tropical fruit notes. It's a very, and he said that, I'm not making this up. I, I couldn't make this up. It's a very clean tasting beer. <laughs> oh, my God, I am in third grade. Um, the mayor of San Diego, Kevin Falconer, called the beer delicious. 
and some at the event say they had reservations before trying it. But beer taster Shane Trussell said, I thought it would have an off taste or something different to it, but it's out, it's outstanding. Another drinker says, I love it. It's hoppy. It's delicious. Which that could be used to describe virtually any IPA that yeah, well, Stone that's has stone. ever made. Right. Uh, for those of you who might be on the fence about giving the full circle pale ale a sip, the brewer, Gonzalez, says try it first i suppose you won't be disappointed you know um, the the british refer to getting drunk as getting pissed yes they do and this i just totally, want to point totally that out it works yeah uh the full circle pale is not for sale yet but stone is hoping to make it available soon i will buy this i i i just have to try it <laughs> i have to try it so here's what i'm gonna do i'm brave enough you know I've, here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna uh buy some and i'm gonna pour you some but not tell you what i'm giving you uh, and then you drink it and you're gonna go oh this is good you're and I'll like go, how's yeah, the toilet you're water? drinking toilet water buddy. <laughs> <laughs> uh the pure water san diego program will eventually clean enough wastewater to provide one third of San Diego's water supply. We need to get stone supplies. on this show. We totally do. Those guys rock. We were about to say we need to get stoned on the show. No, like, well, that's, that's a different show. That's smoking. I've done and, that in so many. That's years. smoking and toasting and smoking. That's some smoking more. and toasting and smoking, right? Uh, another uh, Dateline San Diego uh, Ballast Point is unveiling a new Pilsner at the West in San Diego that includes recycled water, water huh. from the toilet, wastewater. Yes, but. Purified uh, with the tasting of the Padre Dam Pilsner will be the second big recycled water. And isn't it interesting? San Diego is kind of like the focal point. Well, for San this. Diego's yeah, doing it. Right? It's always been a San Diego's always been a great craft beer spot. They've always had well, Stone obviously being yeah. from San Diego uh, is always. A, I was thinking about that too. You and I, you know, being here in Houston, how impressive it is. That Houston and the surrounding uh, Houston metropolitan area is not only home to some really awesome upstart, you know, up and coming little guy breweries that make some great products, but we're home to St. Arnold and Carbach, two of like the best Texas beer brands I think yeah. that are out there. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so it's, anyway, so I, th- I think we rival San Diego, but as of yet, no toilet water beer available. No toilet water beer. Call Brock at uh, at St. Arnold and ask him about <laughs> when's he going to start with the toilet water. Right. Okay. Let's, I mean, I guess I could try brewing that at my house, too. Well, yeah, but I don't think I want to sample that, to be totally honest with you. I mean, you're my friend and all, but uh, you know, I'm not sure I want to go there. Okay, our rum today is uh, the uh, bottle that I brought from home. It's the Botran Solara. Uh, was it 1990? I'm sorry, 1893. Don't let me be off by 100 years. Um, and this is a very uh, sort of an ultra premium rum. It's an añejo. And oh, that sounded good. I'm liking it. I'm liking it. So I have really been enjoying uh, rums lately. I've just been kind of on a rum kick, to be honest with you. And so I'm hoping this one will live up to the standards that we have set with some of the rums that I've been able to bring in here previously. Ian is pouring these into the cup, and I will say on the nose, oh, on the nose, this is quite nice, quite nice. It's got, it's got, you can smell a little bit of the sweetness, like the sugarcane uh, sweetness, but you also get the hint that this has some kick to it, and that it's not, you know, so, it's not going to be so ultra smooth that it doesn't give you that kick on the back. What do you think? Uh, I agree. Sniff? It has, it has a, uh, it, it has a very rum kind of feel to the nose. Um, very Ooh. molasses, but there's oh man, that's terrific. There's something like a banana in the uh, there's definitely in the smell. Of banana, I haven't tried it yet. I'm picking up banana, yeah. cinnamon, 
and, I get cinnamon, yeah. and the vanilla, of course, that you would expect mm-hmm. from a, a premium and the molasses and, and the molasses. Yes, wow, this is really spectacular. Yes, I like, agree. Oh, wow. Liking this, huh? Oh wow, the aftertaste develops too, and, and it nice. just it kind of blossoms on your uh, palate. You know how we've had a lot of, uh, uh, especially rums. We've had a lot of rums where you, you swallow and then the heat comes back at you. Mm-hmm. This doesn't. The heat is more in the middle, isn't it? The heat is in the middle. And then just smooths right out on the aftertaste. It's like it's like uh, it's like this warm, wonderful feeling going down, and it's not too much either. It's you know what very- it reminds me a little of, and I'm, I'm going to try to say this right. Do you know when you eat like a a pastry or a cookie or something, and once you've taken your bite and you've swallowed it, it leaves you with this sensation that you're like, oh man, I just want one more bite. You know what I'm talking about? There's a like, little bit yeah. of there's a little bit of oiliness to this on the tongue. Not in, not yes, in a bad way. Not in a bad way. I, maybe yeah. there's a better word for it than that. I don't know what it is. It's got some consistency to it, maybe. But yeah, it's got a little viscosity to it. That's it's it's really good. But it does that. It leaves you it leaves you at the at the end of the swallow. It leaves you going. You know what? I want another swallow. Of that it's really nice. And we're drinking this. Keep in mind, we're drinking this neat. Yes, we're drinking it absolutely warm. That's right. No ice, no nothing. This is straight out of the bottle. So this bottle of rum. Let me uh, give you the info. And there's a photo of it. We took a photo of this and the beers that uh, will be posted like, on the Facebook page. The only way we could have this less interrupted is if we just wrapped a paper bag around the bottle itself <laughs> and went for it and drank, <laughs> drank directly out of the uh, bottle. This is the Casa Botran. B O T R A N. Ron Añejo Botran Solera 1893, and then beneath that it says um, Solera Gran Reserva, product of Guatemala. It's a beautiful color, too. It really is. Actually, everything about this, Ron. Yeah, it's really, really nice. Uh, On the back it says, we harvest and press the finest sugar cane on our estate in southern Guatemala to create the basis for our rums. This rum is distilled locally in Guatemala and taken to the mountains for aging through a unique Solera process uh, in a sequence of American whiskey, sherry, and port barrels. Mm, So that's where this really refined kind of of finish is coming from. Yes. Right. Now, I have not had this with a cigar yet, but that will be happening before the day is over. Yeah, I was going to say this... Like just feels right for a cigar, doesn't it? It, yeah. it just feels like it would give you that perfect perfect accompaniment, right? And, and like I said, I've been on a rum kick lately, anyway. And wow, this is going to be. And I can see this addition. going from anywhere from like a really like a, a on the mild with a big silky smoke, mm-hmm. all the way up to a full flavor with no problem. I may be breaking out. I've got a uh, man of war ruination sitting in the uh, oh, uh, yeah. humidor. I may be breaking that out. Those are delicious. I love those. They're just they're so powerful though. Yes, that cigar yes. is like do not smoke unless you are ready. Yes, it should yes, have a, this is a it should have a warning label. Forget about all the tobacco this warning is not labels. Fisher Price, my say, first cigar. <laughs> 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 It's definitely not. Make sure you are ready before right. you, uh, before you smoke the cigar. Perhaps a big meal uh, prior to the beginning uh, will help. By the way, um, just a little. Uh, we like to keep you up to date on what's happening with the the taxation and regulations on uh, premium cigars. We want to give big props to New Mexico. A bill that sought to increase New Mexico's cigar tax by a whopping fifty one percent. Ow. Was just defeated by the state's House Taxation and yes. Committee. Uh, the bill was SB 231. It would have increased the tax rate on, quote, other tobacco products, end quote, which includes uh, premium cigars, from 25 to 76%. Oh. Uh, it was introduced earlier this year, 
and you know it has the usual things that you know go along with introducing a tax on something like cigars that they we would need to say. talk about. You do know that the taxes are what killed the cigarello. Oh yes, they killed the cigarello. No question, no question, because it was taxing per stick, right? Yes, and so that wound up being one thing when you were talking about a six, seven, eight, ten dollar cigar. Quite another when but you're a package about of seven or eight of, yes, that yeah. are much smaller and you yeah. get the same tax per absolutely. <laughs> All right, when we come back, we have one more beer to taste, and it's this lovely robust porter from Bell's. Can't wait. Welcome back to the show that Oprah calls her favorite new program. This is Smoking and Toasting. It's so nice to have I think you. I heard something about that. Board. Yeah, yeah, she's she's big into the craft beer, Oprah. So I've been in a tequila cloud before. <laughs> yes, <I've laughs> I don't know that it's what you are no, uh, well talking talking about uh, with this tequila cloud, but so I have been in a tequila cloud. This is a story that I came across uh, on the internets. And I immediately had to bring it in and talk about it on the show because its uh, headline title of the show is Margarita Lovers Behold, Someone Made a Cloud That Rains Tequila. But the best is the sub-headline, it just says Dreams Do Come True. That's nice. (laughs) So I like that. So so this is not maybe quite—don't take this as literally as perhaps it implies, but— some technological advances are made to make life easier. Smartphones, GPS, automatic flush toilets. Others can turn life into one big party. Enter the tequila cloud. Uh, the Mexico Tourism Board, love it already, uh, teamed up with creative a- agency Lapis to create a cloud that produces raindrops of tequila. And here's the best part. As a promotional stunt to attract tourists from Germany. those germans don't believe anything uh the tourism board indicated or i'm I'm sorry they installed this boozy tequila cloud at an art gallery in berlin this week and they uh, did it to remind local residents that it's always a little sunnier in mexico it's a contraption that is synced with local weather patterns so whenever it rains in berlin the tequila cloud rains too, according to Lepis. But don't get too excited because it won't be able to float freely outdoors. It is actually an alcohol-infused cloud made of a tequila-based mist held together by a plastic container that keeps the mist in a sort of a cloud-like uh, shape. A team at uh, Lepis used ultrasonic humidors to vibrate the tequila at a frequency that turns the alcohol into a visible mist. Then that mist is pushed into a plastic container where all the magic happens, uh, and you get sprays of tequila mixed with the vapor formed in the cloud. The vapor and sprays of tequila condense and then drops, drink out, and listeners can hold their shot. Uh, I'm sorry, viewers, drinkers can hold their shot glasses underneath. That sounds... I, I would buy into that. I'm sorry. I want that at my next party. You, you got me at that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, I thought, like, I, you know, with the disco ball that's in my bedroom yes. and the Jaeger machine next mm-hmm. to my bed, I thought that I was complete. You thought you had it done on, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I feel like I've just been outdone. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. 
so we got a lot to get to. We're not going to get to everything on this show. Uh, it's already not looking good for the Mumford and Sons. I don't IPA. think we're going to have time for that because we got to try this Bell's Porter first. Well, really excited to be able to bring you this because I know what a fan you are of Bell's Brewery. Bell's Brewery makes great beer, and we've never been able to get these in uh, Texas before. But and I was they able just to, started distributing them. Yes, it's able to pick up the Bell's Porter at Specs. I was at Scout Bar watching UFO. You mentioned this show, yes. And they had two-hearted ale on tap, and I drank that all night. Oh, so, so, so there must be something happening then with Bell's. Yeah, they, they just got, Texas, apparently they right? just got the distribution. Yeah, apparently so. All right. And uh, so, so yeah, so now we have the Bell's. While you're pouring that, I will point out that I am porter. still really enjoying uh, this uh, the remainder of this rum that you poured. This rum is uh, this is one of the better things I think we've tasted on the show in a while. The Rananiejo Botram Solera 1893 Grand Reserva. So. This is a very dark porter. Oh, it sure is. And, uh, oh, taking the initial sniff, and it's got that familiar, like, rock-solid porter sort of uh, smell to it. Mm. Wow, that's delicious. That smells delicious. I haven't tasted it. Oh, yeah, yet. yeah. Smoky, I mean, you malty. smell it, and you immediately go the porter. malt. Yeah. Malt way up front just yes, on the smell. Yes, the the uh, head on this is beautiful, too. Mm-hmm. It's a yes. little bit uh, lighter, floating. like a, like a uh, milk chocolatey kind of color on the head. Floating perfectly the on this coffee, coffee colored. The beer itself coffee is, a, is a dark porter, yeah. dark, dark brown. It's beautiful. Let's uh, let's take the first yeah, sip. Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to watch you in case it's poison or something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it is most definitely not poison. This is definitely not poison. This is a serious porter. Uh, it, it it's funny on the uh, on the bottle they call it robust porter, and I can tell even in the first sip what they're talking about. This a little more power than some of the, this is uh, real deal right here. When yeah. I think porter, this is the flavor. It's not the lighter sort of porter. It, no. It's kind of like the difference if you have a coffee or if you have an espresso. Yes. This is the espresso version of porter. Not yes, saying espresso this is flavor, fantastic. but it has that power to it, that kick to it. This is fantastic. You know what's funny, though, is, is as dark as it is and as mm-hmm. big of a flavor as it is, it's not as thick like mouthfeel as you'd expect. The almost. viscosity. The viscosity. Yeah. Yes, Which not... always makes me think of motor oil when we say that <laughs> word. But, uh, but yes. And I think that was Pennzoil's not... fault because they used that in a commercial for you. <laughs> That's right. They always <laughs> talked about the viscosity. Otherwise, yes. I wouldn't even know what that like, was. Yeah, otherwise, who cares, right? And I just put this oil in my my car but this is uh this is really good it's beautiful it, it's uh drinkable it's now i will say abv I'm, on that um i will see if i can find out from the bottle we did our um, research before we brought uh, this it is only 5.6 percent and it's sessionable on yeah, top of yeah. all that it says on the bottle our award-winning bell's porter bridges the gap between malty brown ales and heavily roasted stouts Notes of yes. chocolate coffee and roasted barley Absolutely are offset with just barley. a slight hop bitterness. Enjoy any time of year. And that hop bitterness on the end really cleans up the aftertaste. It just it just makes it like finish so nice. A little bit of malt sweetness mm-hmm. with a little snap on the end of it, not lingering in a cloying kind of way or anything. This Beautiful. is good. Uh, now, I'm, I, I only drink porter occasionally. It's certainly not my go-to, but boy, this is one of the better ones I've ever had. Uh, it's pretty good. I'm buying a case of this on the way home. Bellsbeer.com uh, if you want to research these folks on the internet. So, mm. Yeah, I mean, on one hand, I'm a little sad that when I travel, I used to buy you know local beers everywhere I went. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, bring them home, and then you had something that was really genuinely unique and interesting. And now you're starting to be able to get it everywhere. And now you can start. Like, this was, Bell's was one of them, man. I'd bring home two-hearted ale, and uh, and I have some friends that that was one of their favorite ones, mm-hmm. you know, and it's absolutely one of my favorite ones. But I'd bring home different beers from different places, and it's interesting because now you can, actually for a lot of these that I used to just have to go somewhere and get, a lot of them you can get them locally, and, and that distribution is huge now and it's wonderful wonderful for the breweries that are doing these beers and wonderful for me because now i don't have to actually drive you know 1300 miles to get it however there are still some gems out there and next week i think i'm going to bring my brother sent me some beers that you can't get here. <laughs> You're not even going to reveal, are you? No. Uh, well, you know there's over 5,000 breweries in the United States now? That's amazing. 5, I love 000. that. Yes, I, I do too. And so many of them are really making great beer. Yep. You know, we talked about how fortunate we are here in Houston. We talked about San Diego, how amazing that is. Don't even get me started on like Denver and Colorado Springs and you know those areas. When I lived in Boston, amazing. Yeah. Like uh, from Clown Shoes to Harpoon yeah. uh, to uh, the uh, Red Hook people, which were uh, just up across the New Hampshire border. I mean, so much great craft beer being produced in those yeah. areas, and it's, uh, it's uh, so. According to, uh, what is, uh, let me get the name of this website right, Vinecraft. Vinecraft. According to Vinecraft, there are 25 essential craft beers you must try. It doesn't say before you die, but I, that's kind of implied, right? 25 essential yes. craft beers you must try before you die. So I thought we'd take these, you know, a few at a time across the next couple of shows. So we'll do this to close out our final minutes while we enjoy more of this robust porter from Bell's Brewery. Uh, the first one on their list is is the Alesmith Old Numbskull. I have that in my refrigerator American right now. American Barley Wine. I have that in my refrigerator right now. It's You're delicious. kidding me. I'm dead serious. This has won three Great American Beer Festival yeah. Awards, 2008, uh, 2011, and 2013, plus two World Beer Cup medals in 2008 and 2012. It says in this article, it's extremely well-balanced and full-bodied and can be paired with anything from roasted meats to stews to a variety of pungent cheeses. Also, it's like nine and a half or twelve percent or something. Well, it like does that. have a skull on it. See, I, I like anything with it's a skull. It's called old numb skull, and they old mean it. Old numb skull. Wow. So I'm impressed that you have that. I am impressed. Now you may be impressed that I've tried this next one, the Allagash White Wit Beer. I don't think I've had that. I'm not a huge fan of the Wit beers, but I did like this, and I like I like the Allagash Brewery uh, in general. I've I had some another, of their stuff, but I don't think I've had yeah, that one. Another impressive brewery. Uh, it says spice with their own special blend of coriander and curacao orange peel. It's a Belgian-style wheat beer. It's won numerous awards, including gold at the American Beer Festival 2015, gold World Beer Cup uh, in 98, 2010, and 2012. Clove, banana, and orange notes dominate the taste, but in a deliciously balanced and subtle way. And one of the reasons I would mention uh, this specifically is because I'm not really into the whole coriander and clove sort of vibe. Same here. But I still like this beer. And I don't even usually enjoy wheat beers that much, but I love this beer. So it's worth it. Uh, Allagash is on the top 25 list more than once. Their Black Ale Belgian-style stout rings in on the list as as well. Um, They say here, what can we say? Allagash brews some of the most delicious craft beers on the market. Uh, technically, there's no such thing as a traditional Belgian stout, but the good folks at Allagash don't always follow the rules. Uh, it's wheat, roasted barley, chocolate malt, 
black malt and generous portions of dark caramelized candy sugar. Says the beer is a little easier to drink than some regular stouts and finishes clean. Which kind of reminds me a little bit of this porter that we right. uh, that we were that we were talking about here. So um, this is. Um, this is an interesting. It's Stell's, I believe, Expedition Stout. Part of this article is cut off. Uh, Stell's Expedition Stout, Russian Imperial Stout. Uh, it's a 10.5 ABV, chocolate, dark fruits, coffee, and molasses come together in this one. And uh, finally, and we'll get to the rest of these next time. Uh, but the I'm gonna I'm gonna spell this because I have no idea how to say it. B r a u e r e i a y i n g Brewery. A Y I N G E R. Brewery Aying Anger Celebrator. Oh, Anger Celebrator. Love that stuff. Comes with a little dongle with a goat on it. Dark Doppelbach. That stuff is delicious. All right, a full bodied beer, and we'll get to more of it next week, but there's uh, there's your first five. I, I drink think. that one regularly. Okay, so I'm impressed with you. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason why you're on this show. I like it. Have a great week, my friends. We'll be back with you for show number 34 next week. It's Cruz and Ian saying uh, have a wonderful week and cheers. Cheers. This is Radio Brave. Keep listening. It gets even better. Now let's do it up. Ra- Ra- Radio Brave.